Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Pranica, TV voice of the Memphis Grizzlies, and your host for the program. This is Episode 51, brought to you today by DraftKings. It's not only my favorite sports book, but it's also America's top-rated sports book. Speaking of the red, white, and blue, our top athletes are over in Tokyo competing for the gold, and DraftKings has a medal-worthy offer just for you. Here it is. Place any pre-event wager of $1 to be eligible to cash $100 in free credits if America wins any medal this year. That's 100 to 1 odds on an American athlete to stand on the podium to get gold, silver, or bronze. 100 to 1 odds on an offer like this doesn't come around very often, so sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook now to get in on all of the action. DraftKings Sportsbook, it's easy to navigate, has plenty of instructions for new bettors, and nearly limitless ways to get in on the action. Everybody loves DraftKings Sportsbook, and I know you will too. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits if America wins a medal. That's code TBPN to turn $1 into $100 in free credits for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. And so we have an NBA champion. The 2020-21 NBA season has come to an end. 72 regular season games, uh, despite uh, teams being parked, including the Grizzlies for a period of time. Everybody was able to play their 72. We were able to get through the playoffs uh, and get all the way through to the finals with a very, very limited impact because of COVID-19 and health and safety protocols. Kudos to Adam Silver and everybody at the NBA for figuring out a way to get this done, to get this done, not only to have the games completed, but also to have fans in the building. And you saw very rabid fan bases throughout the playoffs, whether that was Utah or Milwaukee or Phoenix or Memphis, and it was a great scene. Uh, are we totally back to normal? No, definitely not. Obviously, COVID still is kind of running the show around here, but it was a return to something resembling sports normalcy. The viewership numbers from the NBA Finals, far better than what we had in the bubble a year ago, for understandable reasons. Historically, they're lower than some because you had two teams that, typically are not in the NBA Finals. I think this was the third appearance for Phoenix and the third also for Milwaukee. So these are teams that don't get to the Finals all that often. You did not have LeBron James. You did not have Steph Curry. You did not have Kawhi Leonard in these Finals, although you did have Chris Paul. And Giannis Antetokounmpo, I think, certainly has raised his profile. And we'll talk more about him a little bit later on in the show about what he was able to do, dropping a 50-piece in Game 6 and just a dominant performance by him. We're also going to talk about what the Bucks were able to do as a small market franchise in winning a championship. And then we'll also talk about what this would mean for Memphis. Memphis is, with the exception of New Orleans, the smallest media market in the NBA. Will they be able to replicate what Milwaukee was able to do up in southern Wisconsin? We'll talk about that as well. But first, let's get to basketball and the X's and O's of this one. The Bucks win in six, 
and they're one of only a handful of teams that have come from 2-0 down to win four straight and then win the NBA championship. Part of this is they were fantastic at home. Throughout the course of the entire playoff run, they only lost one game in Milwaukee at Fiserv Forum, which has proven to be a very, very good home court advantage for them. So they could bank on winning on their home floor. Um, the other thing, too, is remember Mike Budenholzer was supposed to be on the hot seat? And I know that we had this conversation with John Hollinger of The Athletic in an earlier episode of the Grizz Weekly Grind where we talked about what's wrong with Milwaukee. You know, because in previous years, Milwaukee was going and winning high 50s and, and, and 60 games a year, and they were the number one seed, and then the playoffs would come, and then there would be disappointment. There would be crushing disappointment. The Bucks could not get it all the way to the NBA Finals. And there was some thought, even in the midst of this playoff run, that Mike Budenholzer was somehow not the guy to lead Milwaukee to a championship. And if you go back and you read the clips late in the season through the playoffs, there was some fairly pointed criticism of Mike Budenholzer uh, focused on his perceived inability or unwillingness to make changes. But bottom line is he got this team to the finish line and they are going to be getting rings in mid-October when the 21-22 NBA season commences. Um, without getting into too many details, I mean, look, look, Mike Budenholzer has been around championship programs, uh, obviously with the San Antonio Spurs. Did great things in Atlanta, did great things in the regular season in Milwaukee, but it had not translated to playoff success. Does that mean he's a bad coach? Does that mean he is somehow less than? Look, there are a lot of really good coaches that haven't even made it to the NBA Finals. And... He was able to get this team to the finals. Were the adjustments great? I don't know. There, there were a lot of, particularly when you're down 2-0 in the series, there's a lot of conversation about why are you switching everything? Uh, and is, is that really the wisest defensive strategy to use uh, against the Phoenix Suns? Whatever they were able to do, particularly in Game 6. I mean, their defense was really, really good. I know Devin Booker got away for 40 in Games 4 and 5, but they really had him under control in Game 6. In order for Phoenix to win this series, they needed to have point guard Chris Paul. And late in this series, as the series wore on, I don't know if there was an undisclosed injury. I don't know if it was age. I don't know if it was the Bucks defense. It might have been Drew Holiday. It could have been some combination of all of those. But Chris Paul was not point God, Chris Paul. He was getting close there in game six, which kept Phoenix in the hunt because Devin Booker really was not the Devin Booker that everybody had expected. And DeAndre Ayton, frankly, was was exposed uh, trying to guard Giannis Antetokounmpo. He, he simply could not. Did not build a wall in front of Giannis, turned sideways, let Giannis get driving angles, and, and that was a, a big factor in Game 6 and a big reason why Giannis got to 50 points because he was able to get to the rim and, as a result, get to the free-throw line as well. Um 
So, Mike Budenholzer, hat tip to you, sir. You figured out a way uh, with whatever adjustments that you, that you did make in the course of this playoff run to get this team to the finish line. How did they win? How did they go about winning this series? Well, number one, they had transcendent Giannis Adetokounmpo. His performance in Game 6 is one that they will be talking about for a long, long time. Blocks, rebounds, scoring. Um, They didn't keep blocks as an official stat during the Bill Russell era. I would say that you could certainly make the argument that Adetokounmpo's performance in Game 6 was Bill Russell-like. Scoring, rebounding, defending, blocking shots. Uh, His Game 6 is going to be remembered as one of the finest individual efforts in NBA Finals history. In a closeout game, in an elimination game, in a clinching game, the way he dominated on both ends of the floor and made all but one of his free throws speaks to just the elite level of his play in game six. And he's been wonderful, really, uh, the entire series. And when you think about the hyperextension of the knee earlier in the, in, in the postseason, that you really weren't sure if he was going to be back. I mean, how different would this be? I mean, if if Giannis does not play in the finals, I, I don't think there's any question that Phoenix is raising the trophy because that's simply not a, a person that you could even hope of replacing in any discernible way. But his ability to, to come back, his ability to heal, uh, and the good work of the Milwaukee training staff – allows Giannis Adetokounmpo to be that transcendent player and for them to win their second NBA championship. The other piece of this, it's not all that dissimilar when Toronto won with DeMar DeRozan. This is a team that gets mid-range shot-making from Chris Middleton. Uh, Middleton is one of those guys who is an all-star caliber player that very few people talk about. If you were... Outside the Milwaukee market, you probably, and if you were a casual NBA fan, you probably weren't sure who Chris Middleton was. But he is a very unassuming, very modest, but a very, very deadly mid-range shooter. Can shoot the three, but he has the ability to rise up and make a jump shot from the mid-range pretty much any time he wants to. And so that's why I have him as being a, a DeMar DeRozan type player and there's a little bit of a, a throwback here because you do have somebody who can live in the mid-range, be productive in the mid-range, and be very, very good in that. Uh, Mike Breen called it Middleton magic, and there were some amazing roles that Chris Middleton could get on and did, particularly in the Brooklyn series, where he simply was unstoppable. Not so much in Game 6. I thought the defensive game plan by Monty Williams was very good. The execution of that game plan was also very good by the Suns players. Um, and so they they kept Middleton somewhat under wraps. But when you need a bucket, he is a guy who can go and create his own bucket. You have a, a, a dominant defensive player who can get to the rim on the offensive end in Giannis. Then you have a shot maker 
in Chris Middleton. And then you add the third piece of the puzzle that John Horst, the general manager of the Milwaukee Bucks, added in the offseason, and that's getting Drew Holiday. I've always been a big Drew Holiday fan, uh, plays hard, very dogged defender, uh, scoring more or less is a plus from him, and it was a huge plus in Game 5. And really his ability to defend Chris Paul and Devin Booker and to make them work very, very hard to make sure that they did not get to their spots I thought was a huge, huge piece in this series. Obviously, everybody remembers the steal in Game 5 where he stripped Devin Booker and then rather than pulling back, he just read the situation. And if you go back and you look at the video of the steal and you take it from the game camera angle, you see that Giannis is immediately running the other way and he's got his index finger pointing up. He's calling for the lob and Holiday throws the lob and he almost throws it too far. When Holiday throws it, and it's, it's interesting when you look at this video in, in slow motion, Holiday throws the lob and then he jumps up as and I'm interpreting maybe what he was thinking. I've thrown it too far. You can't throw it too far for the Greek freak. And Giannis, of course, was able to slam it down, and that sealed the deal in game number five. The other thing, too, is that Milwaukee did a very good job. If you want to call these guys in, in Holiday and Giannis and Middleton the big three, John Horst did a really good job of placing role players around them. And remember, this is a Milwaukee team that relied a lot on Dante DiVincenzo, but he was not available due to injury throughout the entirety of the playoffs. But they got role players. They made the trade to get P.J. Tucker. Uh, P.J. Tucker loves the corner three, was not shooting the corner three very well, but dogged defender, rugged rebounder, and, and a guy that you're very, very happy for because he has taken the long, long way to get to the NBA in the first place and to be productive now and to win a ring in Milwaukee very happy for him. So with Tucker, you got defense and you got rebounding. Pat Connaughton, sporadic three-point shooting. And I say that with all affection because he's a Notre Dame guy. So the three-point shooting was, was very much hit or miss for Connaughton. But he gave you some hustle. He gave you some offensive rebounds. He gave you some extra possessions. Not the most gifted defender in the world, but gave a tremendous effort on the defensive end and gave you an opportunity to be good on the defensive end. And then Bobby Portis. Bobby Portis brought energy. He brought shot making. Uh, he just brought that X factor that Phoenix simply did not have coming off its bench. Phoenix's bench, you got some contributions from campaign. Very happy to see him as a product of, of Lausanne Collegiate. Um, but Portis could come in and he could make shots and he gave you length. Uh, you know, defensively, Phoenix was able to put him in some bad situations, but offensively, uh, he just came up wonderfully well in game six. Also, along with 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 Brooke Lopez, um, you know, Lopez had been an all star level player with the Brooklyn Nets, and now he's more or less a role player, but came up with a good sequence in the second half of game six. And so, you know, if you are going to win an NBA title, you do need to have that one marquee superstar, if not two. You also need to have multiple role players who are going to be effective on a consistent basis. And this is how Milwaukee was able to get this done. Another piece of this, as the series wore on, and for whatever reason, Milwaukee in this postseason worked their way into series. They didn't come out 
and and start real well in series. It was like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna crawl and then we're gonna walk and then we're gonna run and then we're gonna sprint and then we're gonna be ready for business. Um, I think also the element of physicality that Milwaukee has. And by physicality, I'm talking particularly about Drew Holiday defending on the perimeter. I'm talking about Tucker working underneath Giannis. Uh, and the way that he has transformed his body allows him to be much more physical than he was earlier in his career. DeAndre Ayton for the Phoenix Suns does bring an element of physicality, but there's not a consistent element of physicality that you get. Devin Booker's not going to give it to you. Chris Paul's not going to give it to you in the measure that Milwaukee was able to. I think Milwaukee's physicality ultimately wore Phoenix down in this series. Another thing that favored Milwaukee in this series, understanding that the only player, I believe, on either roster that had finals experience was Jay Crowder. But still, Milwaukee had more players who had been to conference finals, more players who had been deep into the NBA playoffs than Phoenix had. Chris Middleton, Giannis, Holiday, Lopez, these guys had been in multiple playoff series beyond the first round. Chris Paul obviously had been to first and second round series, had not been to the NBA Finals. DeAndre Ayton is a playoff rookie. Uh, Devin Booker is a playoff rookie. They don't have that type of experience, even though it's not finals experience. Milwaukee had been through the wars and they had been in that position of being one of the favored teams and coming up short in the postseason. You have to earn your scars in playoff losses before you lift the trophy. I'm a firm believer in this. You go back and you look at NBA history and you are going to see that for the longest time, the Detroit Pistons could not get past the Boston Celtics. Well, finally, they get past the Boston Celtics and they win a couple of championships. The Chicago Bulls could not get past the Detroit Pistons. Ultimately, they did. And then they go on to win six titles. You don't get to lift the Larry O'Brien trophy without scars on your back. You have to earn your playoff scars in order to lift the trophy. You just don't go from zero to 60. You don't go from no playoff experience to all of a sudden winning the NBA championship in the same season. Doesn't work that way. Milwaukee had earned their scars because of the disappointments that they have suffered in previous years. The disappointment of having the number one seed and not being able to get to the NBA finals. They knew the hurt. They knew the pain. They knew the scars it's something that the Phoenix Suns simply did not have. Milwaukee had been through adversity. Obviously, you losing Giannis for a couple of games. Uh, having to win a game seven on the road in Brooklyn, uh, where, you know, if Kevin Durant has maybe a smaller foot, maybe this entire thing is entirely different, and maybe Brooklyn is now lifting the trophy. When you think about what could have been a three, but it really was a two, and how all that played out. Milwaukee came through that adversity, and I think that all of these things really got them to a point where they could understand, okay, we're down 0-2, 
but all Phoenix did was they won two in their building. We know we can get one in their building eventually, and of course they did in game five. But Milwaukee had been through the wars. They had dealt with the adversity. They had heard the whispers that, uh-oh, this is going to be another playoff collapse for the Milwaukee Bucks, and yet it was not, and they would go on and win the championship. So those are some of my thoughts about the hows and whys of Milwaukee winning the championship. Tremendous credit to the Phoenix Suns. I have nothing but unbounded respect and admiration for Monty Williams. And it started long before he was in Phoenix. But to go, and if if you haven't gone on social media yet, if you haven't gone to one of the video sites, if you have not looked at Monty Williams going into the midst of that Milwaukee celebration and the words that he says to the team that just dashed his hopes and dreams of winning an NBA championship, man, that's total class. And uh, the Phoenix Suns, we will hear a whole lot more from them in the years upcoming. They have a super bright future. Don't know what Chris Paul's future is, is going to entail. He says he's not going to retire yet. Devin Booker is still on the ascendancy of his career. The change in coaches and getting Monty Williams to Phoenix, I think, has meant amazing things for DeAndre Ayton. I think he will continue to improve. The Phoenix Suns are going to be one of the favorites to win the Western Conference again next season. And uh, they are going to be extremely difficult to deal with going forward. They're going to be a year better. They're going to be a year more experienced, and they will have some of those scars. And so when we tip off the 21-22 NBA season in October, they are going to be ready and loaded for bear. We're going to talk more about Giannis Antetokounmpo and what the Bucs championship means for the Memphis Grizzlies in a little bit. But first, I want to tell everybody that I am on Cameo. And if you are looking for a personalized greeting from the television voice of the Memphis Grizzlies, I am more than happy to provide that. I have provided uh, birthday greetings. I have provided congratulations for graduations. Uh, I have provided words of encouragement for folks who are going through medical issues right now. So whatever you want me to say as a special greeting or wishes to somebody special in your life, I am more than happy to do that. All you have to do is go to cameo.com and uh, do the search for Pete Pranica. And uh, right now, bargain price $19.95. And I will do a special personalized message for you. And I turn turn them around really, really quickly. And it's been a lot of fun to engage with Grizzlies fans and NBA fans. So if uh, there's somebody that you want to wish a happy birthday and you want somebody uh, like me to wish that happy birthday, I'm happy to do that. That's at cameo.com. And like I said, all you have to do is go and search Pete Pranica. You will find my profile there and uh, sign in. And uh, we're good to go and wish somebody happy birthday, happy anniversary, whatever it might be. And now let's get back to the program. Giannis Adetokounmpo, you know that he is an MVP level player and a multiple time all-star defensive player of the year. Now he's an NBA finals MVP. I am very, very happy to see him attain all this adulation and acclaim. It is very, very well-deserved. He is modest he is thoughtful and it's an amazing story coming from Greece and some very modest circumstances his will to work his will to excel uh, the story of him working out with Kobe Bryant and Giannis 
had a notepad and pen with him, so when Kobe would run him through drills, Giannis would make sure to write down everything. Whenever Kobe Bryant had a bit of advice to share, Giannis would write it down. Uh, These are the things that are good to see. Someone who is willing to be coached, someone who is willing to put in the work. And when you think, and if you go back and you look at the video from Giannis's rookie season to see what a skinny, relatively speaking, gangly guy he was and how he has transformed his body into something that is entirely sturdier uh, and stronger than what he came into the league with in terms of a body, it really is amazing. And this is the type of development that if you are going to be a champion, and it doesn't matter if you were drafted in the first round or the second round, if you were a free agent, if you don't put the work in, you're not going to get to the mountaintop. I don't care who you are. I don't care how much natural talent you have. How many lottery picks have we seen totally flame out because they didn't put in the work? And Giannis is one of those guys who has put in the work. He has not forgotten where he has come from. And the other piece of it is he's just a fun-loving guy. I mean, you go back and you look on social media the night that the Bucks played in Memphis and he's eating he's eating chicken wings and so he's asked about well you know had you ever had wings and no no I hadn't had wings uh you know until I got to the U.S. and uh, my brother Costas uh took me to a wing place and said the lemon pepper wings and then there was the time where he was interviewed in Philadelphia about the cheesesteak and they explained the whiz wit and and how you order a cheesesteak and and just the joy and fun with which he approaches playing NBA basketball is really cool and A lot was made of his very thoughtful response about, you know, how you view the past, the present, and the future, and, um, you know, the the role of ego and pride and humility, all uh, how you deal with that. Uh, Very, very thoughtful athlete, very well-spoken, and one of the most good-hearted athletes we have in our league. And if you are a listener of this program, you had heard a program that we recorded after the Bucks had lost game one in Phoenix with Jim Paschke, the longtime and now retiring TV voice of the Milwaukee Bucks. And he told the stories about Giannis and, uh, you know, Jim's retirement announcement was a video conversation uh, between himself and Giannis. And Giannis was doing the, the interviewing and uh, the fact that Giannis showed up at the podium with a T-shirt honoring Jim Paschke, the longtime TV voice of the Milwaukee Bucks, I thought was, I thought I thought it spoke volumes about his class and about remembering the people uh, that are important to him. And I, I think those are all wonderful things for uh, athletes to remember and for all people to remember. You don't have to be an athlete to be uh, considerate and to be thoughtful. Uh, we all we all should be that way. And then of course. Giannis is a lot of fun. I mean, how many guys just just roll up with the Larry O'Brien trophy and the finals MVP trophy to Chick-fil-A and you say you, you want a 50-piece nugget? <laughs> that's, that's what you want. Uh, and then half Sprite and half lemonade, no ice. Um, it's just a hilarious video uh, as he's narrating this. I guess it was on Facebook Live or Instagram Live. I'm not sure which, but... You can you can find it uh, on the internet, and uh, it was it was really really cool to see him do that, and and I'm very very happy for him. Yeah, I'm biased. I'm from Wisconsin. Uh, the Bucks are my second favorite NBA team after the Grizzlies, and I was thrilled to see them win, and I was thrilled to see Giannis do so well because I know that he's been 
such a good friend to my friend, Jim Paschke. Um, that begs the question, and this is something that has been discussed fairly widely uh, in talk shows, and uh, Jeff Calkins of the Daily Memphian, in fact, wrote a column on it. He asked my opinion on it. Uh, and can this happen in Memphis? And by this, I mean a, a small market team, which Milwaukee is, which Memphis is, can Milwaukee's success happen in Memphis? And, and the answer is yes. It, it certainly is possible. And one of the things about Giannis that makes him unique and someone I think we all should admire is the fact that and he was very um, open about this on the podium after game six. It's like, look, I wanted to do this the hard way. I signed with the city of Milwaukee. Yeah, the Bucks are the franchise, but I'm here for the city. And rather than ring chase, rather than try to create the next super team, he said, I wanted to do it the hard way, which I think is a wonderful way to be. And so Giannis is drafted by Milwaukee, works really, really hard, develops his body, develops his game, where he's an MVP, a defensive player of the year, and now a finals MVP. And he remains bound to the city of Milwaukee, where, look, there are a lot of guys that, you know, look, Milwaukee, it's not a glamorous market. It isn't. Look, I'm from Wisconsin. I know it gets cold. It gets snowy. It's Milwaukee is not a place you really, really want to be in February. It, it, it just isn't. As Brevin Knight, he, he played like, what, 10 days there, and he, he was not thrilled with it. But, but for, so for Giannis to be that tied to the city, and he admitted in his postgame comments, he said, look, I am a people pleaser. I wanted to please the people of Milwaukee. They have been good to me. I want to be good to them. And what I'm getting at with this long, rambling discourse is that with John Moran and Jaron Jackson Jr., I think you have the potential to have another Giannis-type player who is willing to bind themselves to a city, bind themselves to a franchise. And in so doing, I think that really sets you up for success because those guys want to be here. They are young. They are still developing, just as Giannis was young and developing. This is the process that the Grizzlies potentially can follow. Milwaukee is not a free agent destination. Memphis is not a free agent destination. But what makes Milwaukee something of a free agent destination is you get to play with Giannis. What can make Memphis a free agent destination is you get to play with Ja. You get to play with Jaron. These guys are really, really good. And so you would attract free agents to Milwaukee because of, hey, you're going to be coached by Mike Budenholzer, who's a really good coach. You're going to play with Giannis Adetokounmpo, and you're going to play for a rabid fan base. No, it's not South Beach. No, it's it's not a state that has no income tax. Oh, by the way, Tennessee doesn't have a state income tax. That's what Memphis will have to parlay in order to get a good free agent is going to be, look, you can play for a really good coach in Taylor Jenkins. You can play in a state where there is no income tax. You can play in a wonderful NBA building for great fans. And you get to play with John Jaron. It's a pretty good deal. And so that's what's going to have to happen for the Grizzlies. John and Jaron are going to have to be that, that Giannis-type player 
that are freakishly athletic, can do a lot of things, and are going to be compelling presences that other players, when they become free agents, are going to look at Memphis and say, I want to play with that guy because I like his personality, I like his leadership, I like his game, I want to be this guy's teammate. And so that is going to have to be how this works out. It's, it's how it worked out in Milwaukee, that they were able to get a guy like a Brooke Lopez to be part of their show, uh, that they were able to get a Drew Holiday to be a part of their show. And so I think that is going to be the recipe for success. If the Grizzlies are to emulate what Milwaukee has done, they can do it. You are going to have to have the continued development of Ja and Jaron Make sure that they are totally invested in the city, and then you're going to have to hit on you're going to have to hit on some free agents. Probably have to hit on a couple more draft picks, and you're going to have to make the playoffs, get your playoff scars, and maybe, maybe, there's a parade on Beale Street someday. I would hope. To wrap it all up, this development with Milwaukee, I think, is good for the NBA. Super teams are fun, okay? Michael and the Jordanaires, although that wasn't a bunch of free agents really coming together, but, you know, the the super teams like you had with the Miami Heat, there's now a different way that you can win an NBA championship. It doesn't have to be, well, we're, we're going to get, you know, these top two, three free agents, and we don't care how far over the salary cap we go. We're just gonna we're gonna piece together all these superstars where it looks like an all-star team. There's another way to win the Larry O'Brien trophy. And Milwaukee has proven that. So tip of the cap to John Horse, tip of the cap to everybody associated with the Milwaukee Bucks because they uh they stayed the course and it 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 wasn't easy. And uh also huge tip of the cap to Senator Herb Cole, who was the former owner of the Milwaukee Bucks. And I remember going into the Bradley Center when there just weren't very many people in the stands. And like, you know, people still will say, well, the Grizzlies are going to move. They're, they're not going to stay here long term. The Bucks were on the verge of moving. There were reports that the Bucks were going to be out of town back in 2012, I think it was. And Herb Cole managed to broker a sale, and Senator Cole said, I'm going to sell, but you have to keep the team here. And um, that's exactly what happened. So the Bucks remained there. And then Senator Cole kicked in $100 million to build Five Serve Forum. So it all, it, it all can work. It all can work if you believe in the vision and if you have a goal and if you have a plan to fulfill that goal, you can lift a trophy. And you don't have to be New York, and you don't have to be L.A., and you don't have to be Miami, and you don't have to be San Francisco in order to win a championship. You can be a small market team in the NBA, and you can win a championship. It may be a little harder, but certainly as Milwaukee has shown, you can do it regardless of market size if you've got the right people in the right places doing all the right things. That's a wrap for this edition of the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. Want to thank our friends at DraftKings. Uh, The NBA draft is coming up next week on the 29th. So uh, after the draft, we'll uh, wrap up what the Grizzlies did, and uh, we'll figure it all out. So thanks so much for listening to the Grizz Weekly Grind. I'm Pete Cranigan.